In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes in order to give us something worth waiting for. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, some of you know this, some of you don't. I hate waiting. I hate lines. I am not a good person to go to a theme park with. Because you will say, inevitably, I want to go on that ride because that ride is really cool. And everybody else will think that that ride is really cool. And I will see the line for that ride. And I will say, but what about that ride? Because that ride looks better because there's not this really slow ride right before that ride. This really slow ride of having to wait in line forever and ever and ever. And I've thought about this. I've thought about this and you know, some people accuse me of having no patience. And, and I actually feel like it's the reverse. I, I actually feel like I, I have a lot of patience. It's just that I, I do my patience a little bit differently. My patience, my, my, the thing that I do when I'm being patient is I am totally okay waiting for things. I am totally okay waiting for things as long as I can do something else while I'm waiting for whatever that thing is to come. But if you stick me in a line, my options are limited. And I can't do much while I'm waiting for that ride. I'm just kind of stuck there. The most that I can do is do things like look at email on my phone. And you know that if I am looking at email in order to entertain myself, that there is something wrong with the world. And so today we're talking about the guy who might be considered the sort of patron saint of waiting, the patron saint of patience, this guy named Simeon. This guy who, like that movie a while back, Real, uh, Real Big Fish, uh, w- this guy who was told by the Holy Spirit, here's when you're going to die. And I don't know that I'd want that information but I think that I would actually be able to handle it the way that I kind of do my patience thing. I, I, I would be able to go, okay, well, that's when I'm going to die, so I'll just figure out stuff to do in between now and then. But for some of us, that, that would, would absolutely cripple us. We would go, well, I guess I'm going to die. So, you know, even if that's 30 years from now, if I know that I'm going to die 30 years from now, I'm just not doing anything. I, I'm giving up on it all. Because I know that this is all going to be futile. This is all going to be ending with my death. Which is not actually the way that it seems that Simeon goes about his waiting. In fact, uh, Anna, the other patron saint of waiting here, uh, she doesn't go about things that way either. Both of them kind of take up jobs. Both of them are in this kind of tricky position of, uh, of having this knowledge that there is going to be something big coming. And they know that something is bi- big is coming, and they know that it's going to be life-changing, and yet they know that it's not here yet. And so they're, they're in this moment of, okay, wh- what do I do? And, and I think that I've heard about that moment from some of you and, and certainly from some other people that I know when they hit this weird age in our culture that is called 
retirement. Because in retirement, you have this sort of second adolescent crisis. Because you're you're at this place where the whole world is no longer different. Or no longer the same. It's like all of a sudden you're rocketed back to those moments in seventh grade when you were like, I don't understand anything about living anymore. I thought I got this. And, and I think that a lot of us, when we get to retirement, we get to that place where we go, I, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand how the world works anymore. I've, I've understood the world as a place where I go to work, I punch a clock, I do whatever, and then after that, I come home and I, I just try to rest up enough in order to get back to work. And you get to retirement, and there's not that same kind of rhythm anymore. And it doesn't have to just be retirement. I mean, a lot of us are noticing that there are empty spots in here from our students who are not here with us this morning. And they're going through this kind of mini-retirement phase right now in their lives. Emma is going through this right now, where... All of a sudden, she's been forced into retirement. Forced into this time where it's like, okay, I don't, uh, I don't have any classes. I don't have anything to do. Uh, what do I do with my life? And maybe that's more than just students and more than just retired people. Maybe that's all of us to some extent. Maybe there's some extent to which we go... I just don't know how to live life anymore. I don't know how to orchestrate my life in such a way where it makes sense. I'm trying to go through the motions. I'm trying to do the things that I know to do, but they just don't seem to be working quite as well as what they used to. Or maybe not quite as well as what I planned on this going. So there's some of us that, well, we, we came out of the gates into our careers and uh, we thought we knew everything about what it would look like at this point in our lives or uh, this point in our careers, this point in our being students, this point in our retirements, whatever it is, this point even possibly in our childhoods. I'm just glad I didn't burn. <laughs> and, and there's this sense of, what do I do now? Because the reality of our existence is a reality where sometimes our lives can be, well, just somewhat mundane, somewhat ordinary. And we're waiting for something big. We're waiting for something big like Simeon is waiting for something big. We're waiting for something big like Anna is waiting for something big. We're waiting for something big like Jesus' parents were waiting for something big. We're waiting for something big like all of Israel was waiting for something big. We're waiting for something big like all of Christianity is waiting for something big. And sometimes the waiting can just seem like it's too much. Because we're waiting on whatever it is that we feel is the ultimate fulfillment 
of everything. It's going to be New Year's in just a little while. And New Year's is kind of this strange holiday for us. It's this holiday where it's sort of like a late advent for us in Western culture. Because during this time, we, we take some time and, and we sort of get penitential about our lives. You know, we, we look back at the year past and we celebrate the joys, but we also look at how the things that we did this year didn't turn out maybe exactly the way that we wanted them to or the way that we thought that they would. And so then we, we sort of get ready and we steel ourselves to try it again this year. And we just hope that when we get to this time again next year, that there's going to be something else. There's going to be something where all of a sudden, all of life comes together, and, and it's, it's, it's gorgeous, and it's beautiful, and it's fulfilled, and it's everything that we ever wanted. And unfortunately, it's not going to be that way. Because when we get to December 31st, or January 1st, Next year, we're going to be dealing, maybe not with the same stuff, but with different stuff. Different stuff that we're waiting for. Different stuff that we're looking forward to. But that's where Jesus makes a difference. Jesus made a difference in Simeon's life by showing up as the fulfillment of of a promise. Simeon was waiting for this day for who knows how long. One of the kids' storybooks that we read to them at night is called Simeon's Secret, and it, it sort of embellishes upon Simeon's life, and it shows Simeon getting up in the morning and, and getting ready and combing his hair, and it shows Simeon, he's kind of uh, the, this friendly guy, and, and he, he meets all of the children of Jerusalem, and he tells them stories, he tells them stories about a dancing flea and Wumple do a wheezing whale, and it, it's a great story if you've, it, it, but the thing about it is that he is waiting for this time where everything is going to be different. And Jesus comes into the temple and he sees baby Jesus. And he takes him into his arms and he sings the Nunc Dimittis. He sings this great song about the fulfillment of all of this promise. And he's at peace. And I think there's something about that story that every one of us relates to because every one of us at some level is just waiting for that moment where there's going to be something in our lives that happens where all of a sudden we're at peace. Where we know that everything is taken care of, where we know that everything is all right. And that's why Jesus' story makes a difference for us because that is what Jesus promises us. Jesus promises us that when he comes back or when we close our eyes for the very last time in this mortal life, that we're going to have that peace. He has given us essentially the same promise that the Holy Spirit gave to Simeon. 
that every time that we see Jesus, every time that we hear his story, every time that we experience him in the sacraments, every time one of those things happens, we have that moment of knowing that peace is coming and peace is on its way. And so what do we do in the meantime? Well, Scripture is actually filled with stories of people that do this the wrong way, specifically the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians, they said, well, I'm I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to divorce my wife, and I'm just going to wait for Jesus. And Paul writes them, and he's like, "Uh, that's not smart. Because that's not what Jesus would want for you. Because that's not what a full life looks like. A full life looks like this. It looks like knowing that peace is coming. And having that inform the rest of your life. That's what Christmas is for us as Christians. It's knowing that peace has been born into our lives. And that that changes our lives in such a way that we can say, whenever God chooses to take me, it's okay. And what I'm going to do in the meantime is I'm just going to figure out stuff to do while I'm waiting in line. And that stuff that I'm going to figure out to do is going to be stuff where I help my neighbors. It's going to be stuff where I praise God. It's going to be stuff where I live up to this great gift of life that God has given me. But I'm going to live it unlike a world that doesn't know him. Because the world that doesn't know Jesus lives its life frantically chasing after this thing and that thing. And we as Christians have the opportunity to live instead of frantically peacefully. Peacefully going about doing everything that we can think to do. But knowing that those things don't justify us, knowing that if we do really well at our job or if we have a really great retirement or if we get straight A's, that that's not really going to affect our peace any more than if we do terrible at our job or if we get straight F's, or if something else traumatic happens in our lives, that the promise is still there no matter. And if the promise is still there, the peace is still there. And so, this week, spend some time thinking about Simeon. And maybe imagine yourself as Simeon, waiting for that moment that Jesus comes. And find some stuff to do in the meantime. But mostly know that peace is coming to you. Peace has been paid for on the cross. Peace has raised from the tomb. Peace has been born in Bethlehem.